Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm sick of being called a geek. I mean, what's so geeky about us anyways? Gentlemen, good news. New Dungeons and Dragons handbook, deities and demigods. We're going to have fun Friday night. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerd App Podcast. This week, we're nerding out hard about role-playing games. We are nearly 40 episodes into Nerd App Podcast, and this is our first time talking about role-playing games, so we realize the time is nigh. Yes, I had a blast with the creators of One Shot, a podcast all about role-playing games, and we'll hear a little bit from my session with them and an interview with the creators of One Shot, who are also game strategists. I kind of like to think of your time playing this role-playing game as like a job shadow, but like true nerd job. True nerd job, for sure. I was the elf wizard bangerang, so we'll hear more (laughs) about that later on in the show. In the meantime, we're going to talk with Olga Hazan. She writes for The Atlantic. Whenever Greta and I are scouring the internet for things that are about lady nerds, we often find her byline attached to very smart stuff, like an article she wrote recently for The Atlantic about how women are faring in STEM fields all around the world. We're Russian. My mom called me on International Women's Day to congratulate me on being a woman. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, thanks, Mom. But, like, we don't really do that in the U.S., so it is a little bit weird, but it tends to be a big deal in other places. And then the OECD and World Bank and stuff release a lot of data on International Women's Day. So it's a good day for nerding out about women. Yeah, that's what we do here at Nerdette every week. Exactly. (laughs) I love just seeing the starkness of some of these charts in terms of girls saying that they feel helpless performing a math problem way more often than boys, but they're actually, what, not that much worse at doing math when you look at test scores. Yeah, so in almost every country, girls are more likely to say that they feel helpless when they're doing math, but then when they actually take the test, they only score about 2% less on average. In almost every country, boys and girls are pretty much even. One of the other things that really stuck out to me was the fact that Mexico has the highest ratio of women awarded computer science degrees. And that's something that we've talked a lot about on our show is the fact that it's still less than 15% of undergrads in the U.S. computer science majors are female. What of that data set surprised you most? The computer science thing was really fascinating because actually some of the countries that we always think about as women's paradises, like the Netherlands and Belgium and Switzerland, had the lowest number of women majoring in computer science, even lower than the U.S. They were down below 10 And the countries where women are most likely to major in computer science are places like Mexico, South Africa, Turkey, Israel. I don't really know the reason for that. It could be that because, for example, Mexico's economy started to speed up much later than Western Europe or the U.S. And it could be that by the time computer science jobs really became available in Mexico, that society had already progressed to the point where there wasn't the stigma of it being a male profession attached to it. Like, By the time people were majoring in in computer science, it was just like, 
English or history. It was something that everyone did and there wasn't this feeling of, oh, if I do this, I'll be less feminine. And also, you know, a really good way to make a lot of money if you live in Mexico is to major in computer science and get a really high paying job and take advantage of the low cost of living. There's so much data that you looked at in this story. There were very few instances where you could be like, in every country, this is a thing that happened. But one that was really remarkable was that women spend less time on paid work than men do. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Right. So women tend to work less for money in almost every country in the OECD. And of course, these are advanced economies. So we're not talking about sub-Saharan Africa, for example, or parts of Southeast Asia that aren't quite there yet with this group. So men work longer hours for money. And a lot of places that's because women don't want to work as much as men, like the Netherlands. In some places, it's just because they're locked out of jobs that require a lot of hours. Women, though, in every country spend more time on unpaid work, which is like childcare, chores, taking care of the elderly, taking care of errands. So both genders are busy, but getting paid different amounts for different types of work. The second shift idea that anyone who took intro to gender studies as an undergrad might remember plays out, it seems, maybe the best in Norway? Right. Yeah. So Norway um, seems to be the most progressive on this. Norway and Sweden are the places where men do the most unpaid work. So they help out the most with childcare and chores. And of course, those countries are kind of known for being very progressive on gender. Well, yeah, one thing I've always found fascinating about Norway is the fact that they provide paid paternity leave. I mean, it's obviously just such a different look at the roles of all genders in relationships. Yeah. So Norway has really paved the way for paid paternity leave. But the other interesting thing about Norway is that they also lead in the amount of female board members. 40% of board members there are female, and that's because they have a quota. And if your company doesn't make the quota, you get shut down. Like your whole business must close. Damn, that's serious. (laughs) That to me is so amazing. It's very difficult for me to actually picture that happening. Yeah. Like, can you imagine our Congress voting? Like, yeah, we think if you can't get 40% women, you should just not be in business. But, you know, it has totally worked. Like companies have hired all these women and put them on their boards. And, you know, in some cases they've had to look outside of Norway because there aren't enough female executives to go around to get all these boards staffed up. But at least it's been effective. Are they still short? I'll head over there and be in charge of something if they'd like. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could work for some Norwegian oil company, I guess. You can find a link to the story that Olga wrote about women in STEM fields around the world on nerdatpodcast.com. And follow her at Olga Hazan on Twitter. So Greta, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Were you a Dungeons and Dragons nerd at any point in your life? I was not. This is really my main nerd fail. I'd like to say partly because my father didn't believe in us spending any time on the television as kids. So I really didn't make it past like classic Super Mario Brothers when it comes to gaming. Yeah, but D&D, there's no, this is not a video game. See, I didn't even know that. Oh my God. This is my major nerd fail. I feel like I've been pretty upfront about that. Um, But I am a little embarrassed now, to be honest. That's really bad. (laughs) That's like Josh Whedon. It's like that. Is it worse? I think it's worse. (laughs) Okay, so tell me all of the things. Pretend like I don't know anything, Trisha. Yeah, we'll be really pretending, clearly. (laughs) So role-playing games get a bad rap sometimes in pop culture for being antisocial, and they're completely the opposite. Most of the time, if you see D&D portrayed on TV or in a movie... They're just making fun of it. But of course, one of our favorite shows here at Nerd Out Podcast, Freaks and Geeks, which is, as Tavi Gevinson says, too pure for this world, explains Dungeons and Dragons pretty perfectly in its final episode, where the freshman geeks invite the senior freak, James Franco, to play a little D&D with them. Hey, Daniel, we're playing D&D tonight. You want to come? Why? 
I think you'd like it. We could show you how to play. I couldn't do that. Yeah, you wouldn't like it anyway. It's really boring. No. No, it isn't, Neil. You love it. We sit around and crack jokes and eat junk food all night while we're fighting dragons and saving princesses and stuff. It's, it's pretty fun. And the best part is you get to pretend to be somebody you can't be in real life. Okay, I'll play. Really? Yeah, I'll play. Just don't expect me to be good at it or anything. You can't possibly be any worse than Bill. Hey. It's math plus improv plus dragons. Greetings, princess. It is I, Carlos the Dwarf. The dragon has been slain, and you're free to rule your kingdom. Well, congratulations, Daniel. You just finished your first Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Woo! <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is really fun. You guys want to do this tomorrow night? Sure. Yeah. I would. Harris killed me again. Oh, you had it coming, Bill. We'll kick his ass tomorrow night, Bill. Just leave it to Carlos. Yeah. I'm gonna get another drink. You guys want anything? No. Gordon, Bill. All right. Wow, he's cool. Yeah. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? I don't know. I'm gonna go for us being cool guys. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, definitely cool guys. I don't know why I hadn't been doing this my whole life. I blame the fact that I'm not musical. Because the kids in high school who were super into this were all in marching band, and that was just an arena that I didn't crack into. Because I was a journalism nerd in high school and several other types of nerd. I was the only girl in Rocket Club. But because I wasn't in marching band and the D&D was happening with the marching band kids, I never learned to play. And I'm so glad that James D'Amato and Kat Murphy from One Shot, a podcast all about role-playing games, were able to help me bust into the world of role-playing games. They were so kind and sweet about the fact that I'd never played before. They were good nerd ambassadors, and I had a blast. So do you, like, show up in costume then? I don't think it would be discouraged, but it's not required. What you do in the version of the game that we were playing, which is called Dungeon World, it's a faster simpler version of Dungeons and Dragons so that we could play in an afternoon without worrying about the fact that we hadn't sort of built up characters over time because they invite folks onto their show one shot to play who maybe have never played before or maybe haven't played with them before. There's a quick period at the beginning where you determine your character. I picked wizard because of course when the option of wizard is available I'm going to pick wizard. Is thief an option? Yeah, thief is an option. Why didn't you choose thief? Because wizard. (laughs) All right, we'll have to get into that in a later episode, obviously. And my wizard name is Bangarang. Did you choose that? Yeah, it's my favorite thing to yell when something awesome happens, going back to my love as a child of the movie Hook. Do you remember Hook? I do remember Hook very much. I don't think I've ever heard you say Bangarang, though. (laughs) I say it in my head all the time. Oh, in your head. Okay. Fair enough. I accept. And role-playing games are all about letting your inner geek flag fly. Perfect. I love it. There's a link at nerdappodcast.com of all the episodes of One Shot Podcast that I did where I played my very first D&D game on mic. Here's a little taste. You have conquered. Congratulations, heroes. And thanks, everybody, for playing. This was great. Thanks. Thanks to you. Thank you, James. much fun. Awesome. (laughs) Um, I'm... in. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay!
Like, hook, line, and sinker. Where has this been all my life? <laughs> so what did we just hear? What is happening? What is One Shot? Uh, so One Shot is a podcast where we play role-playing games. And we play it with comedians, actors, writers, and uh, other creative folks to sort of try and get a more narrative experience out of it to explain to people what a role-playing game is and why they would want to play one. That's pretty fair. We do play with a, a bunch of nerds, too, especially Chicago nerds. Classically trained. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what role-playing is, it's a tabletop imagination. It started with Dungeons & Dragons in 1974. Uh, it's changed a bunch over the years, but it's pretty much imagination with some rules around it, specifically to help out with aspects like combat. So whenever a decision has to be made where there's a option of how something could play out, we got to roll a die, right? Yeah, if it's difficult or you could fail at it, there needs to be some sort of way to balance that out. There's a system called Dread, actually, which uses a Jenga tower in the middle of the table. And every time you want to do something that would be difficult, you pull a brick out of the tower. And if the tower falls, you die. <laughs> Why did you guys start doing this? This started for me, Gen Con, which is a gaming convention that takes place in Indianapolis every year, a couple of years ago where we went and we played this Batman Cthulhu game. And we sat down, we had a great time at the table, and we realized that we were good at it. We're playing this not just for fun for ourselves, but we're making it entertaining for other people at the table. And role-playing games are a really special thing where they're intended for the people playing them. And it's really difficult to export that experience and explain what it is to somebody who's never done it before. I wanted to do that, to show people how fun these games can be and bring them into that experience and maybe inspire them to go out and try it for themselves. This has always been a very collaborative, community-driven activity. Yeah, there's a great meme that I saw on Reddit that was good guy Gary Gygax looks at a community of people who aren't social and makes a game that forces them to be social. And that's exactly what Dungeons & Dragons is. It's taking people who take pleasure in these hobbies that are really an alone experience, these imaginative worlds that you put yourself into, and it encourages you to share that with other people. Share your ideas, get them out there, and uh, it makes that a community experience, which I think makes these things a lot more fun. In terms of the nerd Venn diagram of generally nerdy stuff, role-playing games, sci-fi, and then improv, Chicago is kind of a sweet spot for you guys to have this up and running, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And most of the guests that we do have on the show are just improvisers because if you're an improviser out there who's listening, who's like, I'm not a nerd, you're wrong. I mean, <laughs> essentially what you do is role-playing with looser rule structure. Less rolling of die, but just as much ridiculousness. Right. It's the exact same type of thing. Yeah. The other cross-segment I want to mention is math people. It's a really math-minded thing, especially if you play a game that's a little bit more complex, like Shadowrun, where even character creation can be a six-hour affair where you have to make sure you're balancing out your points properly. So I think Dungeons and & Dragons and role-playing in general is just sort of the er-nerd hobby. It brings everything that could appeal to you into one medium. And on the show, you're not just playing one version of the game over and over again. Each month, we explore a different role-playing system. We really wanted to show people systems outside of just the standard D&D that they typically know. And so in role-playing, uh, one shot, like in comics, is a self-contained story that wraps itself up just once. Like, there's no continuing arc to it. For TV nerds, that's the bottle episode. Mm -hmm. Exactly. How do you approach the sort of ambassador to your nerdery 
when it comes to having someone like me walk in the door who is up for it but has never played before. You were very patient with me. <laughs> oh, but do you do you find that to be an important part of the things that you love, that you have to be patient and explain things instead of just being frustrated from the outset that they don't already know? Absolutely. I think that there are a lot of gatekeepers in the community and we want to welcome in as many people as possible and show them that there's a lot of crossover between what you already love and uh, this thing that we think teaches people a lot of skills that they don't normally have an opportunity to develop. Yeah. And I personally love introducing people to it because like when you came in and sat down and started making your character, I feel like as soon as you wrapped your head around the concept of making a character that you were going to play, I saw the magic of role playing (laughs) light up in your eyes. Whenever I see somebody display that passion and exuberance for anything, I get excited. So I like to introduce that idea to as many people as possible. And you guys are aficionados of a lot of these different game systems. You're also creating one right now? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Which is a role-playing system based on movies where a character is reformed through magical realism, such as Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day was definitely our number one inspiration, the starting point. Big also has that form, Uh, a whole bunch of age-changing movies. A Christmas Carol. Freaky Friday, things like that. Something that's using magical realism to teach a person or people something about a situation and better themselves actively. And our system works a little bit differently, unlike most systems which are set up with a single game master who sort of controls the universe and a party of players, there is one player and three game masters that represent the three fates. And they all have different plans for this person who has to navigate their controlling of this really contrived circumstance to change their life. Something we really love playing in uh, especially more drawn-out campaigns is playing upon uh, character development. And so many game systems aren't inherently built to help you do that. Good role players might come upon character development over the course of a game, but that's not a part of the system. And we thought it would be really interesting to explore the different emotional aspects of a person and different types of maturity and make something that was really about that instead of just about swinging a sword. Yeah, like Dungeons & Dragons invented the idea of leveling up. Like any video game, any medium you see that in where a character gets better over time through leveling up, that's something that Dungeons & Dragons does. And in our system, you sort of level up emotionally. (laughs) Which many of us struggle to do in life. Right. Right. There's this theory of fantasy where uh, there's this journey, right, where a person needs to learn a skill. Then they go on an adventure that over the course of that, they learn the skills to help them when they go back to the real world, deal with their original problem. And I feel like Role-playing games are so much that, whether or not you're conscious of it. You go in and you uh, build a character that tends to be, like, in some ways yourself. And then you start developing skills because you have to deal with that innkeeper you don't want to deal with, whatever. Getting to have this idea of, well, without some of these constraints and rules, what would I do in this situation? Mm -hmm. Is the only way we actually learn. That's why we watch movies. That's why we read novels. Exactly. To see what Harry and Hermione do. You know, those are the things that when you're reading them at those, especially younger pivotal ages... If the system that those people live in has value, sometimes it's explicit and it hits you over the head, right? Like my mm-hmm. favorite example of that is always the Berenstein Bears book titles. Mm. Just say whatever the moral <laughs> of the story is. You don't beat around the bush. It's like too much TV. Okay, this is a book about there being too much TV in the house. Right. But every other form of creativity at some level is trying to at least make you think, if not make you decide what to do next in this next scenario to level up. Right. To level up. Right, yeah. 
I totally agree with that. And I was reading a book recently called Of Dyson Men, which is something about the personal history of this guy with role playing, but also the history of role playing itself. And he found that a lot of introverted people experience emotional development in a very turbulent way because they're working through a lot of their problems themselves and how something like Dungeons and Dragons or even just writing a story and engaging in your own fantasy world help you deal with and cope with your emotional problems. And Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing in general can be a great tool for that. Do you think that things are shifting? I mean, you guys are older now. You're adults. You get to play as many of these games as you want. But for an 11-year-old right now who lives in Wheaton, Mm -hmm. is Dungeons and Dragons going to get the book slapped out of their hands? Is this sort of coming out of the shadows a little bit in the same way that video games used to be only right. for nerds? Right. Now everybody plays video games. So I think that uh, Dungeons and Dragons wasn't really made for kids and it kind of got a bunch of stigma in the 70s surrounding a group of college kids. It was more focused on that sort of age group. However, now games are being built for younger children. There's a system called Mouse Guard, which is based off of these comics, and there are built-in mechanics to teach kids to share. So this could be a potentially very young age group. And I think that as a plethora of like really visually attractive games that have a younger audience in mind are put out, they're starting to lose that stigma. Certainly, adults don't have the same stigma. When I walk into Gen Con, I hear on the internet mostly described, this is old white men who are playing these games and, you know, like nerdy recluses who never shower and all that sort of thing. But when I walk into Gen Con, I see families. I see a lot of young women. I see vibrant different varieties of people. I mean, you have the people who went out and made their own medieval armor standing right next to the people who made their My Little Pony costume. And I think it's gotten past that sort of awkward stage that it was in because D&D, when it originally launched, was one of the most popular games in the country. And it sort of hit this weird cultural zeitgeist. And that really quickly turned around in the 80s when it had this controversy of being from the devil (laughs) or something like that. So I see today a lot of hope, and not just for role-playing games, for like all nerd communities everywhere. I see them becoming more inclusive, having a wider reach, and I think the material is just much better. I mean, not that Dungeons & Dragons is a bad system or D&D First Edition was bad at all, but there are some really intense and brilliant systems that are out there right now that border on art if you don't classify them as an art already. Other countries, the Nordic countries specifically, have taken to LARPing, which is live-action role-playing, the same sort of thing, just not around a table. Anything else (laughs) that we should mention? Well, I also have, as a companion podcast to One Shot, the Critical Success podcast, which is about teaching game masters how to be better game masters. Uh, There are a lot of things that you're negotiating when you're at the table and you're the one in charge of the story. And it's the sort of thing where people don't look at it as a skill because it's a leisure activity, but there are ways to improve at it. And getting better at that helps you be better at social situations in real life as well. So I'd like to point that out for any role-playing enthusiast to check that one out as well. So critical success sounds cheaper than an MBA and like it would actually get the same result. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be your That's new tagline. That's exactly. <laughs> cheaper than an MBA, same results, critical yes. success. Because basically being a game master is learning to manipulate people but make them think they're having fun, and that's being a boss. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's true. Uh, that, yeah, if you are a high-powered executive with, like, shoulder pads and working out all the time, you should definitely listen to that. (laughs) 
You'll find links to One Shot, the podcast all about role-playing games, from the gang over at Peaches and Hot Sauce, which produces really fun stuff. Thanks to James and Kat for teaching me to play a little D&D. I can't wait to play with them again soon. I'm going to get to play the Doctor from Doctor Who, the Doctor, in an upcoming game, and I can't wait. I like that you said the Doctor and then from Doctor Who, just to explain for those. I didn't want them to think Doctor was like thief or wizard, that it was a type of someone you could play in the D&D game. We're mixing nerddoms right now. I didn't want anyone to get lost in the shuffle. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Time now for homework? Yes, and our first pieces of homework come from James and Kat from One Shot Podcast. My homework is find a role-playing system that corresponds with your interest. Do a Google search of whatever your interest is, whether it's a specific TV show or movie or just a genre, and then role-playing game. And then, once you find it, because it probably exists, (laughs) build a character. Build one character and send it into our show, and maybe we'll play that game with your character. Yeah, and along those same lines, uh, in game shops in your area, you can check on Craigslist. You can go onto Reddit and the LFG, uh, looking for group forum, and there are role-playing games that are happening right now in your city, in a city near you that you can get involved in. It is not hard. Uh, It's no obligation. You sign up for one session. They'll give you a pre-made character and just see if you like it. Greta, I'm impressed that you waited this long to talk about Veronica Mars, but here we are. Well, you know, I do have a lot of Veronica Mars feels. Partly I want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to watch it. It had a pretty limited release as a motion picture, and so a lot of people are going to have to rent it on the interwebs in order to view it, and that has to happen. And I imagine most of you did make the effort over the weekend to watch it, as I did. But I just want to make sure everyone has plenty of time to give it a watch and maybe even just catch up on the whole darn thing if you haven't seen any Veronica Mars in your life for some horrible reason, Trisha. Yeah, this is one of my nerd fails. I haven't seen Veronica Mars. Yeah, that is really upsetting to me. I feel like you waited a really long time to actually tell me that. I did. I sort of skirted the issue for a while there. You know, what this reminds me of is disclosure and how much you disclose in certain relationships. (laughs) And I really feel like you should have disclosed that a lot earlier. I really think you should have watched Black Mirror by now. Are we going to get into this now on mic, Greta? (laughs) Okay, so homework for this week for me is to watch Black Mirror. For the rest of you is to watch Veronica Mars. How does that sound? Is that okay? You with me? Fair. It's fair. So yeah, Veronica Mars really is a lovely show. I have a really difficult time describing it to people because when you say it's about a high school private investigator, people aren't often super enthralled by that. A friend of mine recently described it as a cross between the OC and Twin Peaks, which I think might be the most accurate way of describing it. But if you haven't seen it, you definitely should at least think about watching it because I've got a lot of feels. So we will definitely be talking about it soon on the podcast. All right, that's it for this week. Remember, you can always call us and give us ideas for things we should be nerding out about. Great lady nerds of history you want to hear from. Role-playing games that you want us to try. The kind with dice, guys. The kind with dice. Man, I feel really bad about that. Obviously, I need to get in on this, too, because... Greta, you would love it. It's really fun. 312-600-5638. Call us, nerds. Thanks very much to Olga Hazan and James and Kat from One Shot Podcast. Thanks to our home stations, WBEZ and WCQS. And thanks to you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Throw some stars if you're feeling generous. Our theme is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, 
Crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.